Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering, mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well, having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on Silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? Because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous in disguise to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us, and I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I often gather from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of pure mathematics. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so excited to speak to someone who is studying pure mathematics. I don't know why, like, a beautiful mind springs to to my mind. (laughs) Um... I think I'm a, a bit more normal than uh, than the mathematician portrayed. And actually, I think that most mathematicians are more uh, collaborative and normal than the like <laughs> genius trope that you see a lot in movies and TV. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're we're speaking right now from your campus. Yes, um, and you know. Is your campus just covered in sort of like blackboards with loads of equations all over it and, you know, that kind of thing? (laughs) Um, So actually, I found that um, when I was studying in North America, we had a lot of blackboards, but here everybody uses a whiteboard and I I really miss the chalk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's a, it's, there's a lot of people and not a lot of office space in this campus for sure, but it's it's exciting. Really? So is it not that stereotypical kind of like people wandering around alone and like lost in their heads? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are some people like that, but I think there's this there's this trope in mathematics where people are like super genius and they don't know how to interact with other people, but they know a lot about some abstract theoretical craziness and I think it's it's a little bit inaccurate because a lot of mathematics happens um, in collaboration with other people and everything is sort of built on the work of other people and so I think a lot of it is actually very collaborative and I, I love to talk and ask questions to um, my office mates whenever I don't understand something and sometimes they'll know the answer and sometimes they won't and then we'll just sort of commiserate at our mutual confusion. Gosh, I mean, I think (laughs) one of the reasons why I have been so excited to talk to you is because, like, how does one talk about maths? Like, when you're having a discussion with your um, colleagues, 
What are you talking uh, about? So what I do is um, in the realm of pure math. So um, I guess specifically you could say I, I do something called geometry, um, which is a little bit like geometry that you might have learned in school, but a little bit more complicated. Um, and so a lot of the time we'll, we'll have sort of um, statements that we're not sure if they're true or false. And maybe I'll ask my colleague, like, is this a theorem? Has this been proven? Or is, is this just something I've made up mm. uh, or something like that? Or do you understand what this, this author is saying here? I don't, I don't understand this sentence or something like that. I mean, it really is abstract, isn't it? When you say geometry, it could could it be applied to like a snowflake as well as crowd dynamics and you know that kind of thing? Um, so I think one of a mathematician's favorite um, statements for when they're applying for grants or justifying what they're doing is that it has applications in physics. Uh, <laughs> but uh, sometimes I wonder if that's stretching the truth not really why we study it. Yeah, it's not really why we study a lot of the topics, I would say that it's more, um, we study mathematics for the sake of it, for its own sake. Right, for the beauty of it. There's something inherently, yeah, there's something interesting about just sort of pursuing these abstract ideas um, and sort of, you know, if we assume certain very simple ideas where can we go what can we build and like what relationships between different abstract ideas can we find um, when they're built when they come from different places but they actually describe sort of the same thing Mm. oh it's just so it's just so profound and simple and just completely beautiful the idea of just studying pure mathematics uh yeah, that is definitely some of the appeal, and and sometimes it's complicated and frustrating. Um, so you there's the balance I think between like when you understand something and you're like, aha, it's all it all makes sense. The universe is beautiful, and then you don't understand something and you're stuck doing lines and lines of computation, and and <laughs> you sort of wonder why. Yeah, I mean. When you talk about sort of trying to apply for grants, um, it, it seems as though, you know, and understandably, you've got to find real world applications, which is where the physics connections come in. Um, what are the real world applications of your particular research? So um, I think a lot of it depends what area of mathematics you're in. And sometimes um, a lot of the ideas that I work with were originally formulated by physicists and then mathematicians took those ideas and said, okay, so we can't exactly solve it in these specific cases, but what if we generalize this idea um, and sort of take it out of the real world and just sort of say, what general things can we prove about the system that was born out of physics? So a lot of Mm -hmm. ideas do come from physics. Um, some ideas are, are more applicable than others. Like, um, certainly if you do something like number theory, then you have, you know, a lot of applications to important things like cryptography and, um, uh, but also you can go, you know, deep into another area like logic where you are really looking at the foundations of mathematics and then you don't, your, your applications are, 
are two other fields of mathematics. Actually, a lot of a lot of mathematical applications really? are two other fields yeah. of mathematics. Wow, I just I, I want your life. I don't like it just it just sounds so like abstract and just otherworldly. Yeah, one thing is like um when you're when people ask you what you do, so like when you're trying to explain to a regular person who you meet sort of on the street or in a social setting, um they're like, What do you what is what do you mean you study math? Like, what does that mean? And then you sort of struggle to find the right words to describe what you're actually studying because it all it's all sort of cumulative like you you start at the beginning and then you build on you know four years of an undergrad and then you're doing research that is sort of that you only understand if you've been through all of that already um so sometimes yeah. it's, I know some people who are very good at it um who are very good at explaining what they do but it's sometimes a struggle yeah I mean um you're now at PhD level aren't you yes I am currently a PhD student and so when you get to that level, doesn't it become more like an art form, something creative? I would say that um, it's, it definitely requires a lot of creativity. So one of, one of the most frustrating things that I get sometimes when I tell people I do mathematics is they say, oh my gosh, like I can never do that. I'm, I'm more of a creative person. And it's, it's almost kind mm. of insulting the implication that, that doing math isn't a creative endeavor because I think it's actually you have to be able to to think of completely new ideas and and come up with um uh, like creative problem solving is sometimes how i phrase it but you have to come up with a new way to solve a problem that's very old or yeah or something like that and that that requires a lot of creativity and a lot of the mathematicians i know are you know they do math but they have other hobbies like music or art and they're very creative people. So um, I, I think maybe there's a relationship there between art and, and math for sure. Yeah, because it's all kind of like patterns, isn't it? And sort of like harmonies and trends and things like that, ultimately. Yeah, so there's, uh, there is a lot of, there is a lot of um, sort of beauty, if you can see it, in the, in the math. So in the same way that there is a beauty in art, if you can see it, maybe. Yeah, totally. Um, so how did it all start for you? Was it really obvious from a very early age that you would end up doing what you do today? Um, I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be a vet or something like that, because <laughs> I really like um, animals. Mm. But um, I guess for me, I was... I, you probably get this a lot. Um, you hear about a kids who sort of typically a bit nerdy and a bit precocious about their academics. Um, so I probably fit into that category. Um, <laughs> uh, and I had, I would say I was, I was pretty good at math um, growing up and I had, um, probably some help from my family, like my mom would definitely sort of encourage me and give me uh, more things to think about than um, maybe was necessarily available to me through school. Um, and then I had a really, really great 
a female math teacher when I was in about middle school who um, really gave me a lot of support um, that I didn't ask for, but that she she just provided me and um, we would meet after school and talk about sort of math contest questions and um, stuff like that, which was really great. And so I did um, reasonably well on a couple of these contests mm -hmm. early on when I was sort of starting high school. And then um, I went to <laughs> I went to a, a summer math program, which um, is possibly the nerdiest thing in the world, but it was wonderful. And I met some, I mean, some people there that I'm still friends with. Mm. And um, there, that's where I, I really was able to see sort of pure math um, beyond what they teach you in, in high school. And um, there I sort of decided that this was something I wanted to study more of. So I, I continued to study it from there. I guess that's the short right. version. <laughs> and so when you say I was pretty good at math at an early age, what you mean to say was you were like, you, you stood out. Um, so I think I did, I did fairly well in school. Um, and I, I found that in general grasping. So one of the things that we find is that, um, when students move from numerical mathematics to the first mm -hmm. sort of abstraction of like having letters in their math, so having an X in there, um, that's somewhat, so that's a place where a lot of students can trip if their foundation, foundation isn't um, solid enough. And, uh, but I, I personally, I didn't really trip until I I saw some um, uh, deeper things in like much later. It took me a while <laughs> to mm. to get to somewhere where I was like, okay, I do not understand what is going on. Right. Yeah. So it kind of came naturally to you, mathematics. I guess so, and um, but I I personally like to credit that to the fact that I had people who were supporting me mathematically from a young age and who really sort of um, helped me build that foundation because I think without that, I would, I think it's really a matter of what you're exposed to um, rather than any sort of natural talent or anything like that. Yeah. Maybe that's just, I, I hope, I hope that it's more about sort of what you do than what you're given with, like given by natural. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Natural selection or something. <laughs> a, a nurture. nurture. I believe in nurture rather than nature. nature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, is your mum in STEM? She is. Yes. Um, oh, okay. She what is in chemistry. Oh, Okay. Um, so was she always kind of championing STEM subjects then as you grew up? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I think um, maybe it was because that's where she was strongest or maybe it's because she thought that that it was more important. But I definitely feel like I got a lot of sort of help from her in terms of um, 
building my foundation. Mm. Um, and which isn't to say that I wasn't interested. I also liked to do puzzles and, uh, you know, solve problems and, and, and that sort of thing. So I think um, I, <laughs> there's this game that we used to, my mom and I used to play. I loved it. Um, and it's hard to believe, but the idea is you take four playing cards and you, um, you like you have a deck of playing cards and you draw four of them at random and then you <laughs> you um, you try to use each of the cards once to get the number twenty four by sort of combining them in mm. terms of like multiplying or adding or subtracting or dividing yeah. those four numbers um, and. I remember like asking my mom, like, can we play this game? Can we play this game? Can we play this game? Because I really liked it. Um, <laughs> so that does sound fun, actually. <laughs> it was a bit like a a very simple puzzle that you could solve and then feel good. Yeah, the only card game I know really well is Snap, and I would much rather <laughs> play your card game. I'm going to do that the next time I'm traveling. That's really cool. I'm also, I, was, I think I was also like competition averse as a child. So I didn't like games where you could lose because right. uh, I didn't like to lose. So this was a game where you sort of played against yourself and then you, you couldn't really lose. <laughs> How do you, what if you can't get to 24, by the way, then you just, you choose four cards again? Yeah, I think you just you just draw four more and then you go with those. Instead. Right. Okay. Yeah. Put those other four cards at the bottom. I would, I don't it remember. Sounds way better than snap. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um. So you know, it sounds like you um definitely had a balance of nature and nurture, which got you into maths and um, you know, kept you there. Um. So how has the journey been? Like, have you? thoroughly enjoyed it the whole way through or has there been a few sort of like bumps along the way I would say there were definitely bumps <laughs> um it's a very hard subject to be in at least that's yeah. what I personally find um and and there's a lot of sort of self-motivation to keep studying it because a lot of it isn't very applicable and so there's not a sort of moral yeah. justification <laughs> that I can right. find for studying it but um and it's also very hard. So, like, I've I've definitely had times in my undergrad where I, you know, couldn't solve a problem and was up very late at night trying to complete a problem set and just cried for a few hours because oh. I couldn't solve a math problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. I know what I feel like. <laughs> I mean, it it is it's a ridiculous sort of idea but I, I think <laughs> it happened so I, I multiple times um so I, I think definitely you know no matter who you are at some time at some point like you'll run into a, an idea or a concept that you just can't wrap your head around um and and other people seem to grasp you know with ease and then you'll you'll sort of feel like why why am I the only person who doesn't understand this? And then it's it's kind of a, a discouraging feeling. But I think the thing to realize is that everybody mm. runs into that block at some point and um it's sort of a universal experience to be confused and that a lot of concepts I've found that at first they're very confusing and it's very hard to understand, 
and then you have to do a problem set on it and you can't solve all the problems because you still haven't grasped the original concept, but maybe like a few months later you'll run across the concept again and somehow it'll just fall into place and, and you'll be able mm. to, to make sense of it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you ever really struggled with self-doubt though, even if you did come across challenges. Oh. statement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, um, I definitely have struggled with feeling like maybe I'm not cut out for this subject, um, and, and definitely have been and continue to be, uh, a victim of imposter syndrome. Um. Oh, really? Oh, for sure. Uh, I just... There's, you know, there's a lot of um, really competent people. And when you feel like you're the only person who doesn't understand something or you can't sort of grasp why these people are even talking to you or you don't know how to, to, mm-hmm. how to talk. I don't, I don't know. It feels like it's, it's something that I, I, I'm continuing to, to work on for sure. Yeah. And how have you been dealing with that so far? So... Uh, depending on wh- where I've been, um, I found I found different things that help. So um, definitely having people who you can talk to about your struggles and who can sort of say, "Oh, I'm I'm going through that too," um, really helps because especially if they're people that you sort of think definitely belong in the field and they're struggling with the same things as you, um, then that can really be a good, good place to find support. Um, when I was in undergrad, um, or even now, the other thing that's really helped me is to find uh, a mentor or somebody who is sort of at a more advanced stage in their career and to talk to them and have them tell mm-hmm. you stories of how, how they what what they felt like when they were in your place. And so that you can see that yeah. they're sort of, um, a place to go beyond where you're currently feeling, where you're currently stuck. What's Has it mattered whether those mentors or advisors are male or female for you? For me personally, um, it definitely did really help. So I didn't, so for example, when I was doing my undergrad, I didn't really notice this at first, but um, all of the older students in mathematics were male. Um, so all of the sort of students that I could say like, oh, did you did you enjoy doing this course or did you find this hard? Should I take this course and that sort of thing? They were all male. And I, I didn't really think it was a problem until I started to notice it. And then it became more and more obvious that there wasn't somebody I could necessarily talk to about exactly what I was struggling with. Um, and so it was it was really helpful for me to eventually find a female math professor that I could talk to um, within the department and I called her my math mom and it was, (laughs) it was really nice to talk to her. So we would, um, we talk about, we were doing a a project together. So we would talk about mathematics, but then we would also have conversations sort of just about how life was going and that sort of thing, which is very Mm -hmm. nice. Um, I remember, you know, being like, Oh, I had a horrible week. 
um, I was in this class and someone told me to shut up and she was like, oh, well, you know, I had somebody tell me to shut up just the other day too. And we'd like to commiserate <laughs> over yeah. um, mutual experiences or, or I'd say like, I'm really struggling with these things. And she'd say something like, oh, don't worry about that. Just, you know, it happens to everyone. Or she'd say like, why are you worrying about that? Suck it up. And, and you need to get through it. And sometimes um, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And it was really nice to have somebody like that to help me sort of um, in my, in my studies. Yeah. Yeah. Have someone to resonate with, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the gender ratios in mathematics? <laughs> um I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact statistics, um, but mm. I can, I can cite some sort of, some, some bad examples uh, <laughs> that I've experienced. Yeah. If you want, I mean, I mean, are you generally surrounded by guys or? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I was just in a seminar like an hour ago um, where I was the only woman in the room. Um, oh, it's a pretty small wow. seminar, but uh, I've also. In my how many in the seminar? In my cohort, so in my year of this PhD program, there's about uh, 16, 17 students, um, and three of us are women. Right. Um, I've in my undergrad, I remember there was this one course I took where um, it started in September, and people sort of drop in and take the course or they like drop out of the course but by November I was the only female student who would show up consistently to class out of about 30 to 40 students right were the girls dropping out or just not making class uh so there was one other female student who was still enrolled in the course by then who just never showed up but I think at the beginning of the course there were about six of us so there weren't many to begin with, and then most of them left. Right. Why did they leave? <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just sort of sad. Why do you think they left? Oh, it's a complicated question, isn't it? Um, I think what I've heard is that there are more and more undergraduates, uh, female undergraduates, who are enrolled in mathematics, but then as you go on, there's a sort of pipeline problem where you lose people um, in later stages of the career. Mm, the old leaky pipe. Yeah, and I I don't know exactly why it's happening. I think there's probably a lot of reasons and a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah. Um, certainly, there's not a lot of there are a few, I mean, there's just not a lot of visibility in some, depending on where you are, there might be not a lot of visibility. So there might be, you know, 10 male professors to every one female professor in the department or something like that. And that's certainly not helpful. Um, I think there's a lot of unintended sort of programming that you get at a young age that says if you're... Um, a woman that maybe you're bad at abstraction or maybe you're bad at math in general, or that uh, uh, I've heard also that like women are taught that failure, like to, to sort of be very avoidant of failure. Oh, really? Um, and that 
this is sort of something that's unintentionally programmed into into girls at a young age. Mm. Um, and I feel like certainly in mathematics, you're going to run into a lot of things that you don't understand. Um, Which feels like and, and moments, yeah, moments when you feel like you failed. Um, and maybe that has something to do with it. I mean, it's hard to say for sure what exactly is the root of the problem. I think there's probably lots of problems. <laughs> I asked that because I wonder whether, you know, when you were going through your challenges, whether it was an option for you to drop out. I've often considered changing uh, my route. So maybe I've thought about it, but but not in, in such a serious way that it was actually a possibility for me, I think. Mm-hmm. I've always yeah. sort of been on this path and sort of just said, well, I'm on this path and I'll just... I'm still okay with it, so let me see where it goes, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, what does it feel like when you're sitting in a seminar and you are the only girl? Like, are you very conscious of it? It's I, I personally am very aware of it when it's happening. Um, the interesting thing is I've often pointed it out to my male um, classmates or, or peers, and they'll be like, oh, huh, I guess you're right. Like, I didn't see that, but I definitely noticed. So I think there's this phenomenon where, like, you don't really notice until you're the only one in the room and then yeah. you definitely are super aware of it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And what effect does it have on you? I think um, there's sort of a lot of pressure, maybe, that is uh, that is unintentionally put on you when you feel like you have to represent all women Um, in the context of where you are um, sometimes people interact with you a little bit weirdly Mm -hmm. and um, you wonder if it's because of your gender Um, it's definitely sort of another thing to to be thinking about all the time when you're when you're in a space yeah yeah I mean sometimes it can just be so exhausting having to do that additional thinking (laughs) on top of everything else (laughs) Like, do you yeah. do you find that being um, in a minority as a female um, add to your expending of energy? I think for me personally, it, it does. Um, I'm not sure how much it does in terms of just sort of mental stress, but I, I definitely have had moments where I've agreed to do things or be part of committees or groups um, because I want there to be a woman doing something so for example um uh, volunteering to lead sort of math circles or something like that I'll I'll often sign up um one of the reasons being teaching is wonderful and very fun um but the other reason being I want there to be a woman who is teaching math to children um sort Mm -hmm. of just to increase the visibility um and because I know that it's something that I struggled with when I was when I noticed that I didn't have any upperclassmen who were female. Um, I was I I wanted to make sure that if somebody was in my shoes that they would be able to find mm. somebody who was female and yeah that they could talk to. Has it had any kind of sort of like maybe unconscious impact? Um, like. If you are the only female 
in situations um like do you maybe dress differently or act differently or like are you aware of any of that I think when I was when I was an undergrad I was certainly I was a very stressful test taker um (laughs) uh, so I think I think maybe sometimes feeling like you have to do well in order to represent you know yeah your your group your minority um that that can certainly add to the stress and I'm I'm not sure what the relationship with that and my performance actually was um but I definitely sometimes felt that pressure and um I find that nowadays I try to hold on to my femininity in um you know whatever situation I'm in and to because there's a lot of really lovely qualities that are, you know, tend to be uh, considered feminine. And I think we could definitely use mm. more of those in math sometimes. Yeah. I mean, do you have the courage to actually let those feminine traits um, be exposed? To give you an example, when I was in mechanical engineering, um, I would totally play down my femininity so I'd like dress in really baggy clothes and you know just generally try not to highlight the fact that I was different like do you find yourself doing that or are you proud to celebrate the fact that you are different I think I I am um pretty feminine in the way that I portray myself so in my in my fashion in my sort of demeanor um I try to be true to myself um which for me means feeling pretty and <laughs> uh you know um that sort of thing I think it really helps when there are other women around um because you can sort of relate to them and and and, and uh there's there's a bit less pressure to sort of assimilate to the guys <laughs> But I think, at least in in math, if you're a woman, there's a lot of people who are willing to, a lot of other women who are willing to sort of go out of their way and talk to you. And I think that really has helped me sort of um, be confident in my femininity. And that's really good. I'm so glad that you are describing it that way, because um, sometimes when there are so few um, in a minority, sometimes those few can turn against each other um, because it can get quite competitive. But it doesn't sound like you are experiencing that kind of environment. No, and I I think um, maybe when I was... Now, at this point in my career, I think that a lot of the men that are around are very supportive and aware and and don't necessarily have, you know, those, those sort of toxic masculine traits, and they're not super competitive and, and that sort of thing, um, which I encountered a lot more um, in 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 previous years. And that could that could have to do with where I am and just sort of the environment that has been fostered by the people around me, because I know that's certainly not the case everywhere. Um, but I also think that it's not a very successful sort of attitude to be um 
hyper competitive and and that sort of thing. I think you you get a lot further in math and you're a lot more successful when you're able to be collaborative and supportive and that you help each other. I think everybody sort of learns more that way. So I think a lot of um, at least what I found is that a lot of the toxic traits have like died out as the years <laughs> have gone by, um, which uh, in terms of and pr- progressing in, in my career, which is really, really nice. It's so interesting to hear you talk about failure because um, certainly when I was studying math, like it was the one subject that didn't where experimentation and uncertainty was not involved (laughs) and that's why I kind of loved math because it was so logical and so binary um but Mm -hmm. I would have thought like getting to your level that there's so much more uncertainty involved so like how come there's still this culture of like failure is not allowed so I'm not sure where that comes from. It might just be something I have internalized. Um, but I think that for for me, I grew up sort of having a good grasp on, on most of the concepts that I encountered. So when I did start to slip, it was um, sort of a new thing. and And it didn't happen for me until I was doing sort of uh, more hardcore pure math and 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 so I think that's I think we all struggle with failure and that's where I first met um, like uh, where I first where I first met failure that I thought I I should have been over able to overcome mm. um, and I think. Um, you know, as you said, in pure math, it's not really about experimentation. You just sort of have to find an answer, know, find the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and sometimes it's very hard to because you need to come up with some sort of trick or you need to really understand the tools that you have very, very deeply in order to sort of see how you can apply them. And and when you when you just don't make those connections, it feels like you failed. Right. Has that influenced the way you approach your life? Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, no, no, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> that is a massive. Sorry, that is such a massive question. No, the reason why I ask that, I ask it so flippantly, but it is actually something that um, I'm so aware that my mechanical engineering training has really influenced the way I perceive the world. And so I'm just so fascinated to know whether studying pure mathematics um, has really sort of like shaped the lens through which you look at the world, you know? Hmm. I don't, I have, I have to be honest and say I haven't, haven't really thought about it, but I guess um, sort of trying to, trying to break down something and and see sort of what are the root causes of it is definitely something that I do Mm. in real life which is definitely also something that you kind of do when you're doing math I don't know um you know which which way this happened if I always did this and that's why I decided you know to pursue mathematics or if I mean probably there's arrows pointing both ways um 
in that I, I've sort of, I do this and then I've trained to do this in math. And so I do it in real life. And also I did it in real life. So I was, in, I was um, able to, to do it also in mathematics, I think mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I really, um, I personally just uh, approach the world in a very binary way. Mm-hmm. Like it, either is or it isn't or you know uh, I, I tend to have quite black and white thinking because of the way my mind has been trained um and uh I will admit that sometimes it kind of it causes me problems because life is uh not black and white it's actually quite messy and gray um mm-hmm. and so you know, I, I just wanted to seize the opportunity to sort of like talk to a pure mathematician about it. So, so there's this very cool thing in math where um, if you go down, I mentioned before that some people pursue logic, which is the study of the foundations of mm-hmm. mathematics. So what they do is they try to say, OK, so we have all of these conclusions that have been drawn from sort of logical arguments in mathematics and and they give us sort of what we have as modern mathematics. But what if we go back and try to see what were the initial assumptions that we made um, to get these sort of ideas that we have now? And if you pursue this this field, you'll you'll find that there are different assumptions that you can make at the beginning, and they will give you different mathematics. Right, that changes everything. So wow, there are statements in mathematics that you can prove that you cannot prove um, with with <laughs> using the tools of mathematics. So I think um, the, the, the idea of, of, of a binary approach to life is very interesting. And I think that um, if you go down the rabbit hole yeah. of, of pure math, that, that you'll find that maybe like, it's not so much uh, just, just black and white, but it's, it's sort of, it depends what your initial assumptions are. Mm, yeah. And, and that sort of informs, what universe you live in. Okay, so maybe actually <laughs> as a result of studying pure mathematics, you're, you have a healthy approach to life because you realise that maybe <laughs> it's as simple as just changing the assumptions. <laughs> yeah, I think, and, and I think the interesting thing is that, um, you know, some of the assumptions that you make People, people will say, like, let's assume this thing is true, or let's assume that it's not true, and let's pursue both of these realms and see what happens. Mm, and yeah. and sometimes people have opinions about, you know, whether or not something is true or not based on what that universe looks like, if you take that yeah. assumption or not. Um, which is yeah. which is which is fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can now see where the debates come in. Um, cause you were talking about <laughs> debate right at the start and collaboration discussion. And so, yeah, oh, it must be so fascinating. Um, so with math aside, um, what's the rest of your life like? Do you actually have space and time for other things? Uh, I personally make a point to make space for other things cause I like other things, um, so uh, I definitely uh, intentionally go uh, do other things. Um, so um, some of the uh, related to math, I like to teach. Um, I think it's it's really rewarding um, to 
sort of teach and, mm-hmm. and obviously I'm I'm teaching sort of math or math related topics but uh, it's, it's sort of a very rewarding and, and fun activity to be doing I also I also do just like yeah. personal I have personal things that I like to do um, <laughs> that aren't related to math at all um, and and I, I make a point to schedule those things in because I think it's, it's important for my my mental health to, <laughs> to have a balance yeah Sure. It's quite interesting being female in a very male-dominated subject. Um, And, you know, does it ever cross your mind at this stage in your life about all the other aspects of being female, like maybe motherhood and families and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly thought about some of these things. I would say that for me personally, I'm quite early on in terms of my stage of of life, um, so I haven't reached any of those points necessarily. But I I have definitely thought about them, and it and it's and I have friends who are who are maybe at that stage, um, and I've I've listened to their stories, but. For me personally, um, I've thought about them sort of as a theoretical thing in the future, but I haven't really actually gotten there. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't have like a long-term plan, you know, a five-year sort of like goal or anything? Uh, To graduate? uh get that phd that's that's a goal but other than that i I don't really know and it's hard to to say because uh if you if you want to stay in academia you know it's not really certain where you'll be um Mm. at least in math the way it goes is you you do you know your your phd and then maybe you do a few postdoc positions um and try to land like a professorship somewhere but you know, where those jobs are is very uncertain and, you know, where in the world you'll be is, is therefore also very uncertain. So it's, um, it's quite volatile in terms of sort of starting a life in a place isn't really something that seems feasible to me. Mm. But it sounds like a priority for you is to stay in academia because it doesn't sound like you're driven by sort of like making money or, taking your qualifications into the commercial world? No, I, I, um, I'm not sure where I'll be in, in a few years necessarily, but I mm-hmm. think um, as it currently stands, I'd like to, to stay um, in academics if possible. <laughs> I mean, what do people typically do once they qualify with um similar qualifications to yours so I think um I have some friends who have have gone um into uh sort of more corporate careers so working for a bank or for a tech company Mm -hmm. or something like that I have some friends who have um have more focused on on becoming teachers so focusing on uh, teaching. I have some friends who work for nonprofits. I have some friends who have just sort of gone in a completely different direction. Um, 
Oh, really? What's what's driving you to do what you do? Like, what's your ultimate like goal? I I think it's really interesting. I think I think math is really interesting. That's that's why that's my main motivation. I really I really like learning it. That's sort of the thing that motivates me at the end of the day because um even though sometimes it's a struggle to understand when I do understand I think it's mm. it's really neat. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's I kind of get the impression that you grew up uh in a different place to where you are now. Um do you have sort of like any dreams or aspirations to uh, use your STEM studies to be able to travel, or are you so interested in what you're doing that your location is irrelevant? Oh, I do like. Tra- uh, so one great thing about studying math is that they have um, conferences all over the place. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can. Um, so there's there's a lot of this sort of thing where a group of mathematicians in 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 one field will sort of gather in a place. Um, and talk about what they're doing currently, what their research is in currently, problems that they're thinking about, and that sort of thing. Um, and it'll it'll take place somewhere, mm-hmm. and so you'll have this opportunity to go to this place and talk to collaborators or other other people who are in your field. Um, and uh, but at the same time you know, you get to travel to a new place and that's, that's very fun as well. Where's the coolest place you've been for math? For me personally? Uh, <laughs> um, I guess I've been to a lot of different cities in Europe, um, on the East and West coast of North America. Um, I know recently the ICM conference, so the International Congress of Mathematicians met in, uh, Rio in Brazil, which is very nice. Uh, um, I have some friends who are going to yeah. Oaxaca this summer uh, in Mexico, and there's so a lot of <laughs> uh, a good excuse to travel yeah. and have uh, some fun in a new place. Yeah, I must say I I'm just in absolute awe of you um, because I just. I just, mathematics for me is just so beautiful. I mean, I use mathematics to sort of uh, simulate how fluid flows. Mm -hmm. Um, But to actually sort of like study something that doesn't really have necessarily real world applications must be so cryptic and kind of otherworldly. And I'm very sort of like envious of the fact that you get to do that. Um, if you were to advise any young potential uh, mathematicians that are considering following in your footsteps, like what would you tell them? I would say find people that you can talk to um, about math and about life and about math life and, and who, who you can relate to in that aspect, um, who are supportive of you because that's definitely very helpful. Um, I would say get used to talking about math with other people and working on problems with other people because it's very, very helpful and that's the best way to learn. And I would say um, if you get stuck on something, 
that's okay and you can sort of take your time and think about it and if you don't understand then um you know not to be too discouraged but to to try to give it time or to find someone to ask uh to try to find somebody to explain things to you and and sort of to not get overwhelmed um by by things that confuse you um and and but definitely finding like sort of a community of people that you can talk to or another person that that you can sort of have mathematical conversations with is super helpful and very important i think in my in my math um career life journey <laughs> yeah i mean great advice i i'm going to ask this even though i've been like really telling myself that it's inappropriate <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway um would you consider yourself to be a bit of a sort of like perfectionist because you know mathematics is so perfect in you know its manifestation I'm just wondering like do you have very high expectations of yourself are you hard on yourself are you that typical type of perfectionist type um, I think I am sometimes. I think that, um, I think I, 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 I certainly have a tendency to sort of push myself and expect things out of myself. Um, but I also, I know that also sometimes that, that sort of thinking can be really hard on me. So I try to reason with myself, if you will, about, um, what my expectations are for myself. And basically, I, I've, I'm making a, an effort to sort of be more understanding with myself, if, if that, if I, I, but I do, I do, you know, like things to be in certain places and have a lot of spreadsheets that I, <laughs> that I fill in religiously. <laughs> oh, I, I really relate to that. I'm like, I do everything on spreadsheets. Nothing is, nothing is better than a good script. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything so streamlined and so clear. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to have met a fellow spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I asked that because um, people who listen to this podcast, you know, they, they are probably considering a career in STEM, maybe in STEM, you know, there's something involved in STEM for, for finding silence. Um, and people in STEM do tend to be quite hard on themselves and, you know, have very high expectations. And I just wondered if you had any words of wisdom, given your experience about sort of being tough on oneself, you know, um, how you deal with it because you you really do come across as being very balanced and and sort of like I don't know just um (laughs) maybe I was expecting someone a little bit eccentric I don't know and that's not the impression you're given giving so I if I've managed if I've managed to hide all the weird that that's very cool um (laughs) (laughs) yes you managed to fool us so what's the secret (laughs) Uh, um, I think that in terms of sort of, uh, in terms of sort of keeping balance when you're trying to push yourself to to do better is to always, um, compare yourself to 
the past version of yourself uh, instead of to other people or or something like that because I think if your if your goal is to sort of constantly improve then that's very good and very worthwhile um, but if if your goal is to to be as good as people around you then that's sort of a more uh, dangerous idea because you don't know necessarily where the people around you are at and um, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of objectively compare yourself to other people. I think the best thing that you can do if, you, if, you, if you're striving to be sort of to improve um, in any sort of area is to just compare yourself to, you know, you two months ago or you five months ago and say, in, in five months, I want to be better in this way compared to now or something like mm-hmm. that. And I think that's a better, better way to sort of work towards goals. Does that... That good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is a perfect way to end the show. It's just been so fantastic talking to you. Um, I just feel thoroughly uh, uplifted and inspired um, hearing your words of wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's a very cool show. I feel like there are so many interesting people that have been on it that I'm, I'm very honored to be <laughs> um, also part of this. Uh, you've definitely earned your place here. Thank you so much. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Oh, I'm smiling from ear to ear. Um, purely because I am in awe of someone who can study mathematics. I think it's a secret envy that I've got going on. But what an incredibly balanced and lovely human being she seems to be and uh, I don't know I'm just utterly inspired by um, someone who could be doing something so abstract yet sound so human and so down to earth thank you so much for listening this week don't forget to subscribe rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence